Lord be with you and I want to continue today in talking about this man Jabez and I was surprised and actually I was thrilled that so many of you related somewhat to the pain life the abused life of Jabez and I want to look now at how God became so real in his life that that became the point of change, in fact, the point of integration of his life, and it became the Jabez that he's known for. Let me read very quickly the story again. It only covers a couple of verses in second, sorry, first Chronicles in chapter four and verse nine, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Actually, you could put a period there because that is the heading of the story and it is anticipating the end. He's saying the reason I'm telling you this is that Jabez ended up being more honorable than his brothers. And so then, new sentence, his mother named him Jabez, which is a Hebrew word meaning um, sorrow bringer, pain causer. Uh, she named him Jabez saying, because I bore him with pain. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. Now, I, I want you to realize that this man is not just any man. He is of the tribe of Judah, which of course was part of the people of Israel who had descended directly through Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And Jacob came from Isaac and Isaac from Abraham. And so this company of people of which Jabez was a part they were those to whom it had been said in Abraham, I will bless you. In fact, it says, in blessing, I will bless you. I will surely bless you. Bless you with intensity. Uh, in blessing, I will bless you. And in you and your seed, and Jabez was part of the seed of Abraham, not only would they be blessed, but they would be a blessing that would ultimately, through Jesus, the ultimate and final, in that sense, seed of Abraham, every family of the earth would be blessed. Jabez was part of that people. And so, just as being a member of the tribe of Judah, a child in such a family, he would have been raised, even though his mother was the way she was, but he would still have been raised with a knowledge of the history of his people. And so he would have known, he'd been well acquainted with the stories of Genesis, certainly Exodus, and how God had delivered them out of Egypt by his mighty power. And he would be familiar, very familiar with Joshua, of how the land, the very land on which he now lived, 
had been given as a gift from God and how he had thrown over the idolatrous Canaanites and this was now their land. All of that he knew. He knew of the covenants that God had made with Abraham and then expanded on to Isaac and Jacob and then the covenant God had made with all of Israel at Mount Sinai. This I must emphasize he it was known to him and known in a way that it would be more than if I said you and I knew because this people at this point in history they would memorize they would memorize in a way that it's hard for us Westerners to understand and so he, he knew it and he would have uh, memory of it so that he could access it immediately. He knew it. He was a member of the tribe of Judah. Enough said. He, he would know of the blessing of the covenant that was said every day in the tabernacle. All of this he knew. But, and this is implicated in the text, or rather implied in the text, because he lived a life of pain with his name, but then something happened. And therefore, prior to what happened, as he's being raised, and as he comes into teenage and adulthood, maybe, we don't know when this great wonder happened, but before that happened, he had all of that knowledge it was there in his memory recall, yet it was intellectual knowledge. And, and I want to stop there for a minute because this is so important that he could live with this knowledge, yet it did nothing to him. It was a knowledge that was disconnected from his life. And so he knew this, he could answer all the questions, could probably pass all the exams if they had them, yet all that he knew, it was knowing about it rather than knowing it. And therefore I say it was disconnected to life. It was truth. It was actually final truth. It was the revelation to this one people of who God really is in a world of total darkness lies here was a people who had the revelation and the knowledge in the sense of coming to a connection with him in covenant it, this was a people who knew the truth but in this case and I'm sure in many other cases it was truth that never touched the ground of daily living it was sort of knowledge that floated up here somewhere and had no connection to down here where I live it was just very interesting and it was uh, wonderful to know about but it had no connect it never touched the ground of daily living or maybe I could put it much more to the point by saying it was truth and it was truth about everybody around him truth about his people and his roots but 
As far as he was concerned, it did not have his name on it. You know what I mean? This is true. But whether he ever actually said it, any more than many of us may not actually say it, but somewhere where the roots of my being are, it's as if there's a voice within me saying it's true, but not for me. It's true for this one and that one, and we look sometimes with awe and wonder at people that are actually living what the Scripture says, but somewhere inside of us there is a sense of not being worthy enough, although again not often expressed as such, or we, we, we would say that we don't deserve it because our flesh will always gravitate to earning and deserving. Um, we, we, we look at all these promises and say that I, I don't, I'm not valued enough to be one of the, I, I, I was raised with another phrase in the church, I was raised with the, 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 the phrase was always, uh, you haven't yet paid the price to know God in that way. Well, whatever it was, I say it again, it was an intellectual knowledge of absolute truth, but it was disconnected from his life. It, 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 the, the feet of that truth never got into his feet and touched the ground of, of daily living. And so it, it, it was irrelevant to his life, even though it was true, it was irrelevant because he never saw that his name was on this. It was all about him as part of this people. So it, it had no importance to him, no practical application, no practical value in his life of pain. You see what I mean? Whenever the, the subject might come up of the blessing of God, he would immediately turn inward to his extreme pain and be so focused on his pain that he did not even hear that this blessing of the God who had revealed himself to Israel and therefore to Jabez, he didn't see how that applied to his pain. His pain was the mountain that stood between him and God. His pain was outside of God's power to bless. And so when there were crises that arose because of the pain, uh, well, of course, I, I'm on my own, you see. I, I've got to work this out by myself. This is my problem. And, and still may go to times of prayer with others of the people of God and go through the great prayers that responded to the God of covenant. Maybe even go to the tabernacle, to the services. Maybe, maybe, but never make the connection that it's me that this God loves. It is me that this God has entered into covenant with. He's alone, trying to make sense out of life. And when opportunities came, open doors to move out of a life of pain, he probably, you could say, would close the door himself by saying, it's not for the likes of me. It's, it's, it's for other people, other people who don't have my background, other people that are not pain bringers, other people, other people. It's always other people who in some way of our twisted thinking, they deserve it. 
And so all of this incredible revelation of who God truly is and all that he wills to do in terms of love and blessing, it was something you memorized because, well, that's what us Israelites do. And then to mindlessly repeat at at prayer time. This is one of the basic threads that runs through scripture and I I could uh, spend the rest of this time together just talking about this aspect I'm not going to do that but it's important to know this is not just a byway of scripture this was the sin of the Pharisees Pharisees would be much more than Jabez. They, the Pharisees memorized it exactly, word for word. They, they knew the entire Old Testament, memorized. And, and not just uh, saying it like a poem, word after word, but they could jump around all over the Old Testament. They, they memorized it so they could use it, but they did absolutely nothing with it. And... and Jesus said, and along with them were the Pharisees, though, uh, sorry, the Sadducees, though they were not as, shall I say, spiritual as the Pharisees, but Jesus said that, that you go to the scripture because you think that in the words there is eternal life. That is, by memorizing them and by knowing about them that you're special. But he says, you will not come to me and the scriptures are full of me that is he's saying you won't have a relationship you won't come with your heart to know and to the Sadducees he said really whatever you've learned of the scripture he says you really don't know it nor do you know the power of God which brings that word of God into your heart it was it was that was the entire problem with the greatest enemies of Jesus but in the Old Testament, and I've quoted this to you before if you've been with us in past weeks and months, but Ezekiel, you know that, I call him the weird prophet. Very few people read him because of the weirdness. But in Ezekiel 33, it's very interesting. It was a private word that the Lord gave to Ezekiel. Um, it, it starts in verse 30. Listen carefully. Now, I read from the New American Standard Version, he said, But as for you, son of man, that's how he addressed Ezekiel, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and in the doorways of the houses, that is, he's saying to Ezekiel, I, I hope you know you're really the talk of the town. He said, in, in all the doorways and bazaars and coffee shops and in the marketplaces, they all talk about you. And he says, they speak to one another, saying, Come now and hear what the message is which comes forth from the Lord. That they were saying about Ezekiel to all their neighbors and, as I say, people in the bazaars and coffee shops. That He says, you've got to hear this chap. I mean, you've got to. He speaks the word of the Lord. And so he was the buzz of the town. And says the Lord then to Ezekiel, and they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people. He says, have you noticed that when you stand up to speak, there's a crowd of people jammed in there sitting to hear what you have to say? 
and they hear your words, but they do not do them. They're very excited. They talk about you all over town as to what was the latest thing you said. And then they come back for the next meeting and they appear to be all ears. They hear your words, but they go off to talk about what you said, but they do not do them. And then further down, he says, behold, you are to them like a sensual song. That's not really sensual. There would be, it's as though you are to them like a love song. Um, as one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. What he's saying is they come to hear you and they're so excited at what you say, but really they're listening to you with the mindset of someone going uh, to a pop concert, that they love the way you play the guitar, that they really would rate you number one for voice and the words of your song, they just get it, get into them. But when they go away, that's all they talk about. They don't do it. They don't do it, you see. So they hear your words, but they do not practice them. That was the great trouble with the Israel that Ezekiel spoke to. They couldn't be more informed. The prophet himself was the speaker. And not once or twice, but it seemed to be on a regular basis. And the people crowded in, and they heard what he had to say, and they were excited at what he had to say, but they didn't do it. And I come back to what I said about Jabez, that the words that Ezekiel said, however exciting, and tickling of the ears and exciting of the intellect, but it never got into their heart to actually do it because it was final truth. It was irrelevant to real life. This was their sort of hobby. It was somewhere to go. It was something to hear. It was something to almost wear as a badge that we were at Ezekiel's meeting. But, you see, it never actually touched the ground. It was knowledge up here, but it never got down into actions and speech and, and how they lived. Um, just let me give you a, a more modern translation of it. I mean, it won't say any more than I've said, but it, it will let you feel it. I want you to feel this because this, and I, I'm sure you've recognized it, is true all over the world, not only the Western world. He says the uh, same thing, but now a, a more modern translation. He said, as for you, son of man, you've become quite the talk of the town. Your people meet on street corners in front of their houses and say, let's go and hear the latest news from God. They show up, as people tend to, and sit in your company. They listen to you speak, but don't do a thing you say. They flatter you with compliments, but all they care about is making money and getting ahead. To them, you're merely entertainment. A country singer of sad love songs playing a guitar. They love to hear you talk, but nothing comes of it. In the New Testament, and we, we've had a couple of weeks on this one, in James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Prove yourselves as doers of the word, and not merely hearers 
who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So he says, it's right, you, you've, you've not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. What, what you hear of God's word, what you see in his word, recognize that is final truth and therefore do it. And this is the important part that I'm coming to. Uh, read, I'm still in James. And James says, let me read it again. Um, Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, and this man, the one who is an effectual doer of the Word of God, this man shall be blessed in what he does. Blessing is always part of my doing of the Word of God. Okay, I, I, I trust you've got the picture. Here is this man, this sad man that we spent an hour talking about last week. And this man lives in, he's almost immersed like a man in a swimming pool in the word of God, in the promise of the covenant, in the revelation of God and the promises of God. And yet, every time he looks at it it's not for he forgets immediately that it's talking about him he just goes on his way as if it wasn't there but he's memorized it so he can be back when there's the gathering of the people and he can pray and say and whatever because he knows it no he knows about it but something happened and that something one has to go immediately to the Holy Spirit because apart from the Holy Spirit, the Bible describes us as blind and deaf. And even after we have come to Christ, still the prayers of the New Testament are that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. And therefore, when I come to the Word of God, I come always in absolute dependence upon the Holy Spirit to reveal to me not only what it is saying, but what that is saying to me. And as the Holy Spirit reveals it, then as Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And I can only hear that word by the Holy Spirit working in that word. I believe that any man in such a condition as I've described Jabez up to the last minute, that man would pray concerning his condition, whether it was a cry of groaning and anguish or anger or whatever, but he would have prayed. And somewhere in there, because of his desire, is there a way out of this? Even though with all his mountain range of problems and pain and lack of any sense of worth or belovedness that came from God, yet 
the desire for truth and the Holy Spirit opened his eyes and he saw that the God who had revealed himself to Israel, the God who had made covenant, actually was working in love with him. I believe that most of those of you listening have had such an experience that you have come to know that it's not merely an historical fact that Jesus died and rose again, but in some fashion, the Holy Spirit has revealed to you in the word that informed you of that, the Holy Spirit revealed that is for you, and you believed that, you trusted it. And in some way, that happened to Jabez. And it doesn't tell us how that happened. And I think maybe that it doesn't tell us how, because if it did, we would think it's a formula. And, and we're off track again immediately. Because the way that you meet with the God of Israel, who is Jesus, Jesus is the final revelation of who the God of Israel is. How we meet with him is unique as our fingerprint. You can't cookie cutter your meeting with God. It is your heart that cries out that I want to know truth. I want to know you. And it's in there that in a way that is unique to you, he reveals that he is the God of Israel. He means every word that he has said. He stands behind every word he has said. It's a covenant word, and he has said it to you, for you are included through Jesus Christ. And so he responded to that revelation, and it's his response that is, is so important. It's it's how this man changed. It was a change in response. His response to everything before is, how interesting. His response was that, well, I'm an Israelite, and this is what we Israelites believe. And then promptly, as James says, totally forgot every word when he came to real living. And now he has seen that the God of Israel has come to him, which involves real living. And so it's another response. It's not saying very interesting, now I know about that, but rather it says he called on the name of the God of Israel. Called on the God of Israel. Um, and, and so what, what does that mean? Well, to call on uh, yeah, it means what it means in English, that we raise our voice, we call on someone. But let me just add a little bit to that, because I believe it's important that we understand when the Hebrew people said call on, they had more meaning to that word call than maybe we do. Um, to call would be to give definition to. Um, it means to declare what actually is. I tell you, it is used in Genesis chapter 1, where it says that God, uh, you know, separated the light from the darkness, right there, I mean, beginning of Genesis 1. 
he had separated the light from darkness and he called the light day called the darkness night he it wasn't just giving it a name he was defining this is what it is and so um, Adam called the animals by their name and so he was defining them he was declaring what they actually were and so when it says that he called on the God of Israel then he, he was saying this is who you are do you understand what I mean you can say God and really it's just G-O-D there, there's no there's no content it's just sort of God higher power but in the Hebrew sense to call on means I am naming his name and I am seeing that everything that name declares he is he really is if you could do this almost as a holy experiment in your own life the words that you say concerning God if you stopped at every breath to say he really is now you're calling on him you see you're not just mouthing words you're not even lifting up your voice with words but rather you are declaring what I'm saying actually finally is that is here is true truth unchangeable truth is and now you're not just calling or talking about G-O-D you have definition this is who he is this is his purpose this is what he wills this is his delight I call upon the God who has revealed himself and I say yes that's who you are is do you get it he called upon and although the word name does not appear um, when they said the God of Israel that that is they were saying not just God in the vague sense of what do we say these days higher power uh, not just any God because all of the nations around them worshipped idols that they called God but it would be lowercase God I mean uh, not a God and so he just didn't call on God it's not God whoever you are he was calling very specifically on the God who had linked himself to Israel he called on the God of Israel and therefore he names that God and again as we have discussed at length in the past the Hebrew word name or the concept of name was not merely a sound for identification my, my name Malcolm was given to me for identification purposes that there was nothing more to it they, it's better than saying hey you it's, so we give people name to identify them as this unique human being 
but to the Hebrew people and in all of the Old Testament spilling over into the New the name was not just for identification it was rather a word that gave description it described who the bearer of the name truly was or as that slides over in colon who he is and so when he said the God of Israel he was praying to that God the God who had revealed himself as the one and only true God revealed himself to Abraham his forefather and who had made covenant that is who had given himself away to this people so that this people of he was a part of them they could say you are my God and they could hear him saying in their heart and you are my people it was a covenant relationship in which he gave himself to them and their only response could be amen which is yes you are which is I give myself to you the response was faith and this God the God of Israel of Abraham he had sworn by himself which really means in plain English if I don't do what I say then there will be no more God to swear by yourself is to say that if I don't do this may I be struck dead God said that of himself he said I will keep this my very being depends upon keeping this and he said I will not only fulfill my word in bringing forth the seed the one we know as Jesus but also he says from the very get-go from Abraham on I will bless you and as we've seen that's that good word that God speaks where he will empower us from our innermost being to our outermost person and possessions he will be with us and he will be with us for good and be with us for love and be with us for fruitfulness and multiplication life we will be people fully alive wherever you may touch us need sworn that by himself that he would do now he, he's, he's come to see this Jabez has come to see and so when he called on the God of Israel you see what I mean he'd been talking about the God of Israel he'd been naming the name of the God of Israel ever since he could remember when he came to consciousness that's what was done in his house it was what was done in the village but for the first time he Jabez filling that name with content this is who you are and this is who you are to me you because you loved us you've given us a revelation of yourself and I now call upon you I trust you and I am saying amen this is who you are and I draw a line in the sand this is a new beginning a new life to see life through you instead of through my pain and in so doing he was saying whether he actually said it but he couldn't 
think otherwise than his mother, who had abused him by naming him as she did, his mother was wrong. What a revelation. His mother was wrong. It wasn't him who was wrong. It was his mother who was wrong. And she had given him a word, a word that was enfleshed in his name. And that was a lying word. He was not a pain bringer. He was not a sorrow bringer. That was not who he was. That's who his mother was. And she had dumped her twisted, distorted lies on that baby. And he'd lived his life to whatever time this was. Believing that he was wrong. He was the pain bringer. Could I just get very personal for a very brief minute? The number of people that I have met who were abused as children, especially sexual abuse, and they have lived their life with a deep subconscious feeling that they count as truth, that they are dirty, they are wrong. No one could ever love them because they're dirty because of what happened. May the light of the Holy Spirit show you that you are not wrong. It was your abuser who put his filth and his pain and his brokenness onto you. That's what happened to this one. So there's a break. He, he, does, he no longer trusts in, believes in, accepts for his own the pain and the abuse of his mother, but rather he now trusts the word of truth concerning the true God. So he now renounces the word of his mother that has been upon him and in him since birth, and he now deliberately chooses to trust the word that comes from this God who is love, who has revealed himself, revealed himself in covenant, and is the final truth. And of course, right in line with this, it comes the, the scripture that is quoted in both testaments, that whosoever shall call on, that's this word, the name of the Lord shall be saved. And used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we had the final revelation of who this God is, Jesus. And, and, and I'm not saying that Jabez got saved. I'm rather saying this man who lived in the midst of the covenant people, for the first time really, he, he knew who this God is. And the change happened. God was real. You see, this is the essence of repentance. Repentance is one of those words, again, I could spend an hour on it, because there's so much, we, we, we've got wacky thinking about it. 
we, we think in today's Western world anyway, and I've seen it in many other countries of the world, we think of repentance as this great sorrow for sin. And there is an element of that in it. But uh, especially here in the West, like here in the United States, uh, people will go forward when they're called forward uh, at the end of a meeting and, and they will go forward to try to exhibit some great uh, sorrow concerning sin. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And uh, when I was a youth in the midst of all this, I, I envied the girls because the girls could cry at the drop of the hat. I couldn't. And, and, and so I saw them all weeping and wailing because they felt or seemed to feel that they were such terrible sinners. And they seemed to come to closure with, with that. And so that's how I grew up, thinking of repentance as this, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. But that isn't repentance. Repentance actually has primarily nothing to do with tears or emotions. That comes behind it. But the word, the Greek word for repentance, and the Old Testament words are like to it, metanoia, and it means to rethink. It means to take another look, to think again. That is I thought that this was life. I thought this is the way things are. I, I thought this is who I am. I thought this is the best I could have in terms of a relationship with God. I thought that. But now just a minute, if this is true, if the God of Israel is who he is, then it's a very different situation. I must rethink life and rethink it to the point where I draw a line in the sand and say everything that is past, I was wrong. I was off center. And then indeed there would come the sorrow. But essentially it's taking a second look and realizing I was wrong. And that second look is always because I've seen something that I hadn't seen before. I've seen truth. I've seen the revelation of God. And for us, it's that revelation of God when the God of Israel took flesh and was a true human being so that in our flesh he could say, this is who I am. And not only give promises, but be himself the fulfillment of them and rise from death. We've seen that then. If he is who he says he is, if he has done what he said he did, then my life lived apart from that, and as if that never happened, has been off, wrong. Repentance. And repentance, come full circle, always ends in faith. And, and faith is that radical uh, trust in the God of Israel, in Jesus Christ as Lord. It's that radical leaning of my entire being into him, that he is God in the flesh, you see. He is. He has carried me through death. I am a new creature because he rose from the dead.
and that is that line in the sand it's the moment when I discover he's real but that is followed on through life um, repentance fully understood can take a long time There's, some people have said it takes a lifetime and I, I know what they mean because I'm forever recognizing how my life must now be aligned to this truth I must live the truth feet on the ground living the truth that I've seen or the New Testament describes it may be more to the point that ongoing it is the renewal of our mind I, I, I no longer think about God I no longer think about me I no longer think about life or the purpose of life as I used to and sometimes I find myself acting inconsistently with what I know to be the truth and so I just say Smith get with it get with it in the power of the Holy Spirit I no longer live that way this is who I am and this is what happened you see now the way that he did it and we'll speak a lot more about this next week but the way he did it it's very difficult to translate it into English to make sense and in the margin of your Bible if you have a sort of study-ish kind of Bible it will point out that it's different to what it says here here we say oh that you would bless me indeed and so on and it, it sounds very much like a prayer as asking whereas the actual words in the Hebrew are if and it's if as we would say seeing that so he, he is saying let me say it as it is in the original language if if you would bless me indeed if you would bless me indeed and then if you would enlarge my border and your hand would be with me right through to the end and where we come to may not pain me we have exclamation point end, end of um, statement whereas in the Hebrew it, there's nothing there it's as if there's a blank space and it is what one would call reading through the Old Testament it's in the form of a vow that is it is saying if you and not in the sense of I wonder if if you're this if you're that but it's seeing that well if this is true you've already come to the conclusion it is but we sometimes say well if that's true so a vow form would be if indeed it, you really are the God who blesses and the vow would end with if then and you'd fill in that if you are this God then I will do this and uh, I will do that Jacob if you go back into Genesis he had a one of these vows uh, and he said if you will bless me if you will do this then you shall be my God and I will give a tenth of all I have to you so it's if then and that's the form of this but it's not 
because of that thing at the end it just stops and hangs with no he says if you're the God who blesses if you're the God who enlarges my borders if you're the God whose hand would be with me if you're the God who would keep evil far from me that it may not pain me he doesn't put a then in he doesn't say if you'll do that then I'll do this he just leaves it blank and that's very interesting I hope you're following me the first form if then well that's a contract it's a contract that we use today when the electrician or the plumber comes to your house you are saying if you will fix my fuses then I'll pay you it's a contract and and that's the, these vows often in the Old Testament are in that contract sense but he he sort of uses it but goes into covenant and covenant is different covenant is not if then it's rather because therefore because you are the God who loves me because you are the God you who have given yourself away to me well therefore my life is yours there's no contract and Jabez does not make a contract rather in covenant form he says I've got it I've seen it if you're this God and my name is in that well, this is a cry of excitement I've suddenly discovered who God really is and what life is really all about if you're this God but he doesn't put in the then he doesn't put in well because of that then I'll do this rather he just says because you are this God if you're this God therefore and that blank space there is saying you're the God who wills to bless me you're the God who wills to join me where I am in life well then here is my life here I am here's my life as a canvas for you to paint there your covenant relationship for you there to reveal in me who you really are and so he submits his life to the truth to this ultimate reality submits it as a blank sheet for all of God's covenant love purposes to be accomplished by God's power he yielded himself to become part of God's covenant adventure so his life would no longer fulfill his name Jabez rather his life would be one great glorious contradiction of grace for on the name Jabez there would be fulfilled the name of the God who swore to bless him he was calling on him giving definition you are who you say you are therefore I call upon you in my case you're the God who blesses therefore here I am for you to do your blessing love in my life everything in his life up to this point had been overshadowed by his mother 
by her words, by her naming of him, by the dark energy that was attached to that name. But now, in this moment of seeing his entire life and all of his future expectancies are now defined and fashioned by God's covenant faithfulness and his purposes. The things that he said, bless me indeed, and the enlarging of my borders, your hand being with me, they are so potent that I will give the whole of next week to looking at what they mean. But what I want you to look at now is that at the end there it says, and God granted him that which he requested. And that word grant, that's a good enough translation of the word, but you know me, I just love to see what the word meant and how people 3,000 years ago understood it. And the word means to bring in. It was used to describe someone arriving and coming into your house. And so you could translate it as saying that God heard him in, in that sense and, and God brought in to the house called Jabez. That is his core being and all the way through, as we shall see next week, right through to the very earth on which he walked and everything that happened on that place, he brought in the blessing as if the blessings arrived at his house and said, we have come to stay. It's as if the blessings came and they came into Jabez as the temple of the Lord, but then also into the very timbers and bricks of his house and into his land and into everything he put his hand to. It came in and settled down in his house. This is sometimes elsewhere in the Old Testament translated as it came to pass. It happened or it comes true, it's real. And if I may leave you for this week on that, I, I trust that you've seen this moment that it happened when you came to know the Lord, but in that other sense I was speaking, it, it's, it ever happens. I am, in that sense, an evangelical. I believe there's a time in your life when you come to know Jesus and it's personal faith. I believe that. But I also believe that you just don't mark a date there and say, well, that's it. No, it's, an, it's a growth. It's an ongoing enlightenment. It's a coming to realize and for some of you, I know, if you've heard what I said tonight, this can be a line in the sand and your life from this day on be attended by blessings, by the energy, the power of the Holy Spirit that has been pressing upon you. But there's been, 
you knew the words but not mixed with faith and I believe tonight could be a turning point because there are you don't need me to tell you thousands of believers that are just like Jabez they know all of the facts that are revealed in the blazing light of the New Testament the New Covenant focused in Jesus but what they call reality is things that happened to them in the past that affect them today things that their ancestors have said is reality and they've accepted it and so their reality worldview is their past their feelings odd bits and pieces of information handed on from generations that's that's what they count reality even though they know the facts concerning Jesus or as Timothy says they have a form of godliness but they deny the power of it the power that brings the blessing to life or as Israel at Kadesh Barnea they knew the facts of God's promise but it wasn't mixed with faith well there it is for this week may the Holy Spirit make that real in your life to transforming that life into a life of blessing and now the God who is almighty love the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit bless you and grant to you his fruitfulness in all of your life from your innermost person to your outermost action be blessed amen